Hi everyone, welcome to Gadget Lab. I am Michael Calori, a senior editor here at Wired. Lauren Good is out this week, so we've got a bit of a different show for you. I'm joined by Wired service editor Alan Henry and Wired senior writer Adrian So. So first, Alan, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Of course, your debut appearance. It's great to have you. Uh, and hello, uh, Adrian, welcome back. A multiple time returning guest star on this show. Yay. Hey, Mike. Yeah, my kid is out today, but I'm here without her. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, today we're going to be talking about the various things that are helping us, the three of us, get through the current global health crisis. Uh, right now, it's the first week of July. We are several months into the coronavirus pandemic with over 10 million cases worldwide and over 500,000 deaths. And whether we're directly affected or not, the crisis has filled all of our lives with grief, fear, and uncertainty. But we also know one thing that does a better job of protecting us than anything else, and that's isolation. So even though some cities and states are gradually reopening, most of us are going to stay cooped up for a while longer. We wanted to use this episode to pass along some of the things that we've been using to make sheltering in place more bearable. If you're a regular listener of the show, you know that we always do a segment at the end where we each make a recommendation, and you can just think of this episode as one big recommendation show, just like the COVID-19 shelter-in-place survival edition. We hope that some of the things that we recommend are things that you can make use of as well. It's the whole reason we're doing this. So we're going to divide the show into three segments. First, we'll talk about the gear that has improved our quality of life during these last few months. And then we'll discuss the changes in our routines that have helped us adjust. And at the end of the show, we'll each recommend pieces of entertainment, like a book or a podcast or a program that's been keeping us happy. We're going to start with hardware. So Adrian, you're on deck first. What is the gear that has helped you the most over the last few months? So um, I think, as I mentioned on my previous appearance on the Gadget Lab, I have been sheltering in place with a three-year-old and a five-year-old. And since then, it's been a couple of months now and our daycare still isn't open. And we've kind of like cobbled together our quarantine pod um, with another family with who also has a three and a five-year-old. And we're doing a nanny share and, you know, putting together hours and arranging for different parent schedules and it's driving me bonkers. So the thing that I was going to recommend is the new Amazon Fire Kids tablet. It just came out, um, I think a month ago. And um, we I have a couple of other kid entertainment devices right now. I have the iPod Touch. I have um, an, a mini iPad, but the kids tablet is the one that I'm really relying on right now because my five-year-old doesn't nap anymore. I just, um, it's foam padded. It has Amazon free time, um, which is Amazon's platform. So I can set an age range from like three years old to, you know, seven years old, age appropriate entertainment. And I can just park her on the couch for an hour or two. So I can just like get something done <laughs> um, every now and again. So yeah, I was going to recommend something a little more exciting, but if like if I had to recommend like the one thing that is like getting all four of us through a workday, it's probably a kid tablet. 
Um, is it ruggedized at all? Because I know that some of the Amazon ones are, you know, sort of like made for bashing around. Yeah, it's got, well, they upsell you $20. And one of the things that they include with the $20 is this huge foam padded puffy case with a stand. And I say, it's totally worth it. Like I can hear her just like walking around the house going, oops, oops, (laughs) just (laughs) bashing into things. And it's been totally fine. But the other thing about the Fire Tablet is that it has the uh, two-year worry-free guarantee. And I recommended it to my other friend who has a five-year-old and he was holding it and he literally like smashed it full on into the corner of the table. Like he would just like smash the screen like from pure frustration, like all of us right now. And they sent it back to Amazon and they just sent them another tablet right back. So if you have like a younger kid, it's totally the extra 20 bucks. It's totally worth it. Yeah, I, th- I think Amazon is happy to replace those because they know that if they send you a new one, you'll keep consuming content on Amazon, right? Yeah, that's the other thing. But you can also, um, like, I just snuck into the parent dashboard and I just blocked everything that had Barbie on it, like, through <laughs> the parent dashboard. And she's like, it's so weird. It's like Barbie doesn't exist. And I was like, I know. It's like she vanished from the earth. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Alan, what is your uh, what is your gadget recommendation for people? So it took quarantine and me sitting around at my computer and taking phone calls and things a lot for me to really get into true wireless earbuds. Uh, a friend of mine turned me on to the Aki true wireless earbuds, and I'm sitting here like just holding the charging case. I'm not an AirPods person. I, I am an Android user. Uh, which is why I'm not an AirPods. <laughs> and I have like terrible nightmares of being one of those people in, here in New York City who will lose one ear onto the like, subway track and then have to wait like five hours for somebody to come and get it with a broom and now it's grody and disgusting and I don't know if I ever want to put it back in my ear. All that aside, uh, the Aki True Wireless earbuds are, they sound great. They're like $30. Sometimes they're on sale for less. I think I got mine for like 22 on sale at Amazon. And they are the earbuds that convinced me that wireless earbuds aren't that bad. They fit well, they sound great. And I can sit here and talk to my dad on the phone while I'm writing an article and no one is the wiser either way around. (laughs) So it worked out really, really nice that way. But I I just thought it was really cool because it was such a low price point to get into actual wireless earbuds. The ones I normally use have like a cord that goes, you know, between ears and that makes me feel more secure, right? If it falls out of my ear, then it's still on my person somehow. Um, but again, take your advice from me with a grain of salt because I was that guy who's like, there's no headphone jacks in my phone. Arg. <laughs> so um, I'm also one of those people. You know, I've, I've tested a bunch of those wire-free, wireless, true wireless, whatever you want to call them, earbuds. And the problem that I kept having is that like they sound great, but then when I put my phone into my pocket and walk around, they just started cutting out all the time. And I understand that like that's been getting better, but is that still a problem on the cheap end? It is. And it depends. Like the one experience that I've really had with the Bluetooth cutting out is in summertime, it's fine, right? I can put my phone in my pants pocket and I still have great reception. In the wintertime, I put my phone in like my big jack chest pocket. And that's 
apparently too many layers of clothing and I can't hear the music I'm listening to while I'm walking down the street. So it's still an issue. Uh, it's not as it used to be, but it's definitely still a thing. Yeah, wire-free versus wired headphones are also a perennial argument among workout headphone users, and I am a huge fan. Like, I always recommend the wired ones because I've been running and had the wire the wire-free ones pop out of my ear and just spend 10 minutes, like, digging through a bush in the middle of a trail trying to find this darn little earbud. So, yeah, I generally prefer the wired ones as well. That's easy for me because I don't exercise. I mean, I do exercise. <laughs> I do exercise, but I don't run. I tried running and I was very bad at it. But yes, I, if I were actually running around, like I, I will wear the wireless ones in the house when I'm sitting around, but I, when I'm going out, I put on the, the ones with the wire across the back of my neck. Just, I don't want to lose anything. <laughs> Even if it's like yeah. just... I mean, I, I'm about to say even if it's like 20 bucks, but 20 bucks is a lot of money. So, you know, I don't want to just throw 20 bucks on the subway tracks. I don't want to just lose 20 bucks or 10 bucks at the gym, you know? So I completely understand. Well, thank you for that recommendation. Sure. <laughs> um, I want to tell you guys about my rice cooker. This has been quite a journey for me. I was gifted a rice cooker, a Zojirushi rice cooker, probably about 15 years ago uh, by a coworker, And it was really simple. It's like you plugged it in and it turned on and then it had a cook and a keep warm function and that's it. And like nothing fancy. And I use that rice cooker like three or four times a week for about 15 years. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with it. And I just like, I, it still works fine, but I started getting the itch to, um, to replace it when people started telling me about rice cookers that had timers on them. So you can like set it for five o'clock and then you just leave it on all day and then it turns on at whatever time it deems is like the appropriate time to have your rice ready at exactly five o'clock. And I was like, I could definitely use that so that I'm not like forgetting to make rice and then having to wait 45 minutes before I can have dinner. I just know that the rice is gonna be ready and waiting for me. So I got it. And it was a crazy upgrade. I think I spent like $140 on it. It's like the standard three cup programmable rice cooker. It has this long inscrutable name, but it's also a Zojirushi model. And it has completely changed everything in the kitchen for me because not only does it cook really great, perfect white sushi rice, it cooks um, quinoa perfectly. It cooks uh, short grain brown rice perfectly. It also cooks steel cut oatmeal like it has a special setting for steel cut oatmeal so i can like eat perfectly cooked oatmeal every morning which has just been awesome so it's like the perfect device for not only you know making better meals than you already have before but for me it's sort of unlocked a whole new level of meal preparation uh, and for that i'm eternally grateful to the engineers who created this miraculous device <laughs> I mean, I know I mentioned it earlier. I'm a Zohurushi stan. I dropped money on the NeuroFuzzy Sick Cup years ago, and the thing's a tank. It It's still working fine. And I have tried to fool it. I've said, oh, you know, maybe I'm going to make rice. It's going to be a little bit more sticky this time, so I'll add a little bit more water or something. Nope, can't fool it. It, it comes out perfect. Well, okay, well, I'm going to add much, much less water and see, I'll show you. And it still comes out perfect. And I don't, I don't, I can't fool the thing. I, and also, I mean, it's law in my house that the little 
startup song that it plays when when you press the button you have to dance to it in our house it's 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 the law <laughs> you have to dance to it when the rice starts and you have to dance when the rice when the rice is done does yours do uh, twinkle twinkle little star yes <laughs> yes it does <laughs> Uh, well, I mean, the best part about this whole thing for me is that um, I get to give the old one to a friend who doesn't have one. And it has like all of this awesome karma that has developed over the years. And it's just going to like land in their kitchen and immediately brighten their whole their whole household. I, I know it. All right. Well, right now we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we'll all share our life hacks and our little tricks that we've learned to do around the house and other practical tips. Welcome back. Sometimes you can't simply improve your quality of life just by buying a thing. More often, you have to figure out how to get more out of what you've already got, especially during a time when we're all trying to stay in our homes, where small changes can make a big difference. So, Alan, please tell us what is an adjustment that you have made to better manage your life at home? Well, mine starts with having bought a thing. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but which completely invalidates my entire no it doesn't but i bought smart lights and it took me a really long time to get into smart lights but once i did i the first thing i did was set up a kind of chill out mode for my bedroom um mostly because you know i like to read before i go to sleep and i just wanted a sleep environment that was more welcoming and more conducive to good quality sleep even if i'm not going to get a lot of sleep so Every night at like 10 or 11 p.m., my lights turn to this kind of really cool reddish and slowly fades into kind of a purplish, I know blue light is bad, but still I like purple, uh, chill color. And that's my signal to also prep the rest of the bedroom for sleeping. So I'll shut the door, I'll turn on the humidifier, I'll turn up the air conditioner, I will draw the blinds, I will turn on my electro fan, my little white noise machine, and get really chill and ready to uh, bed down. It's fantastic. And I mean, eventually what I want to do is make all of that stuff automated. So I have kind of a chill out scene or chill out routine that I don't need to trigger. It'll just go at bedtime. But turning my bedroom into this kind of sleep oasis that I can just enter and immediately be drowsy is that's my that's my thing. I'm really here for that. So do you make this scene happen with a tap on your smartphone or do you use a voice command? I, with a tap on my smartphone. Uh, I could use a voice command. We are a Google uh, Assistant house, but Google listens a lot and listens a lot when I'm not talking to it. So I don't want to risk voice commands just yet. And also I have to ask, what is the temperature setting that you go for when you sleep? Ooh. Oh, this is, this is controversial. Yes. 65 degrees. My man. Yes. I like it extremely cold. <laughs> yes. Dead ass cold. Absolutely. The only, that's the appropriate temperature for sleeping. Nope. If if the temperature is above 70 something in my room, I can't sleep. I'm starting to toss and turn and I will throw the blankets off. <laughs> what I need is a lock screen on my on my computer or on my phone or something. Because my big problem with going to sleep is 
logging on to like Facebook or Twitter or something and then reading like one thing at 11.30 p.m. that has me completely enraged and then like prowling around my house for the next three hours be like, can you believe what this person from high school said? <laughs> like, <laughs> that is, yeah, I think the new Apple Watch has like a lockdown setting that you that will just stop you from using your devices after a certain time. So I think that would be, that's like the thing that I want to help me go to sleep. But I don't know if it's out there yet, so. There's also that thing that, um, uh, what is it called? Oh yeah, discipline. <laughs> <laughs> it's right there, Mike, the phone, it's just right there. <laughs> um, well, why don't you give us your, uh, your life hack, Adrian? Okay, my life hack, was meal planning and I also went out and bought a thing. So we were in pretty strict lockdown for about a, for about a month. Um, there were four of us, my husband and my two kids and my kids eat five times a day and we were trying to not go to the grocery store more than once a week and it was just turning into this huge mess. Um, so about a week after lockdown started, I bought two whiteboards and I have one whiteboard right now for um, my shopping list and another whiteboard where I plot out each meal per day per week. So I have to write it all down and that way I can make sure that I have everything I need for the whole week to feed everybody in my house. Um, I've also been experimenting with a couple of different meal planning apps um, like eMeals and Mealvime, which help you uh, put this all on your phone. But the website that I like right now is called Eat Your Books. I think it was reviewed by one of our other writers, Joe Ray, and basically enter in every single one of your three million cookbooks into a website and then you can search by ingredient or recipe and just pull out the recipe that you were thinking of because I'm always like getting the chicken thighs from Epicurious versus other chicken thighs recipes mixed up and just having them all in one place to look up when I need to cook dinner has been a really big help and uh, if I don't hate all food by the end of this, like that will be my major success at the end of this pandemic because food is just such a pain right now. And, and you guys are cooking for four. So I imagine that's probably more stressful than people who are just cooking for one or two. Yeah, and it's mainly just, you know, trying to keep isolated and not being able to just run out to the store. Like if you forget something, um, like, oh, we ran out of hot dog buns. I guess we're just not having hot dogs for the 111st time in this week. And I keep telling my husband I would never have survived on the Oregon Trail. Like if we had to like pack everything in my wagon and just like not go shopping for three months, we would just, <laughs> we would just die. We would just be in the middle of Oklahoma being like, I forgot the honey, it's done, it's over, turn around. Like it just sucks. <laughs> That's that's okay. You shouldn't feel too bad because I think everybody died on the Oregon Trail. <laughs> Mostly of dysentery. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. Well, I want to tell you about I want to tell you about the thing that I've been doing, which is I've been exploring all the different ways to get free books on my e-reader. 
Um, I have a Kindle, and this is like the same Kindle that I've had for, I don't know, close to a decade. The things last forever. Uh, there's also a Kobo that I've been using for a couple of things, which is like this Canadian device that um, is sort of like a Kindle, except a little bit faster and a little bit better, but the battery life is not as good. Anyway, um, I've talked about this before. You know, the best way to get a free ebook on your Kindle is through your local library. So if you have a library card and you're, you live in a place like a city or a county that has um, ebook lending through the local library, you can use an app called Libby that's made by a, uh, an organization called Overdrive. And basically, you can borrow ebooks from your library just like you would regular books. Um, you log in, you use your library card to sign up for the service. So it connects you to a library. And then you can browse your local library's ebooks, download them to your Kindle, read them, and then after you know 30 days or three weeks, whatever your loan period is, they just disappear from your device. Uh, so it's really nice because you can set up queues and you can, you know, some things you have to wait for because there are only so many copies uh, available to all the people in the library, but you can organize it in a way so that you always have new books coming in as the old books are disappearing. Um, obviously, the barrier to entry there is that you have to have a library card. And right now, your local library is probably closed. Uh, but in response to the pandemic, some libraries have been doing online card issuing. So you can go on the website and you can get a card through there. Uh, others are doing it through the mail because you just provide like a photocopy of a bill or your driver's license, something that shows that you live uh, in the area that the library services and you can get a card through the mail. It takes a little longer, but there are ways to do it. If that's not going to work for you, you don't have a card or your local library doesn't have ebook lending. There's also this thing called Prime Reading. Uh, which is if you're an Amazon Prime member, there are like thousands of books that you can download onto your Kindle for free. Um, you know, there's contemporary stuff. Uh, there's like uh, nonfiction from the middle of the century. There's classics like James Joyce and the Bronte sisters and Dostoevsky. There's also a bunch of kids books. So that's always an option. Um, if you're not a Prime user or you're not interested in that, then there's Project Gutenberg. Are you guys familiar with Project Gutenberg at all? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So it's free ebooks from like basically anything before the 1920s, which is when like modern copyright law started applying to published works. Uh, but it's you know you can get you can get uh, versions of books that you can read in a browser as PDFs on a Kindle. Um, it's a very esoteric sort of searching and downloading experience. You kind of have to learn a little bit how the device works. But uh, if you're interested in reading like Henry James or Richard Henry Dana. Uh, then it's it's definitely worth it for the antiquated stuff, um, having to figure out the hoops that you have to jump through. Some of the antiquated books that I like are the etiquette manuals. You can get like 18th and 17th century, like uh, Arthur Martin's like handbook, handbook to etiquette or something. And it's pretty crazy how um, how much all of this applies today. I really want to recommend that everyone on Twitter read tips on how to not be boring, how to how to not be a reply guy. It's all there. They knew this during the Civil War. So there's no reason. There's absolutely no reason why we can't apply these today. What's the old, the old saying is like those unfamiliar with the past are doomed to repeat it. Yeah, it's just I mean, it's so like, you're, you think of people like you're like, OK, they wore corsets. Like, what did they know? And then you're like, 
<laughs> then they're like, you know, if somebody is clearly not interested in the thing you're pontificating on, like, change the topic. And it's just like, yeah, wow, you know, we didn't imagine that. I know they didn't teach this in school. <laughs> yeah. <gasps> Yeah. All right. Well, those are all great recommendations. So thanks, guys. Um, we're going to take another break. And for the end of the show, we're going to recommend pieces of media that people can enjoy. Okay, now we are on to the last segment of the show. And usually this is where we drop our heat rocks, our recommendations uh, that you have to check out. But this week, we've kind of already been doing that for the whole show. So we're going to give the recommendation segment a bit of a twist and ask everybody to share a piece of media, a show, a podcast, a book, whatever that you have been using to fill the hours during our shelter in place. So Adrian, let's start with you. What's your recommendation? So it turns out that quarantine is the perfect time to, I mean, I'm not the first person to point this out, but I've been catching up on the last 10 years of media in quarantine. <laughs> so I watched like every single Marvel movie all in order. And then right now I'm binge watching The Expanse. And it turns out that not only is The Expanse like one of the best science fiction shows that have ever come out, but it's like perfect for gear writers. I just keep looking at everything. Like they explain how to use mag boots and you're just like, peering at the mag boots like how do those work like holden has like his special little space coffee tumblers and i'm like what is that what is the coffee machine they're using what are these tumblers can i buy these tumblers on amazon like the level of detail in this show is just so it's so amazing and it's so irresistible and it's really hard to like not be taking notes through every single episode but do you watch it mike no, I don't. No, I haven't watched it yet. Like you, you know, I've just got this massive queue of things that I haven't watched yet. So I think we're working our way through like a couple of old HBO shows and The Expanse is like on the list, but it's probably about five or six slots down right now. So my problem is I'm surrounded by Expanse fans. Like one of my <gasps> best friends is, I, and I have not seen it. I haven't, haven't seen it. In fact, my partner's watched the whole thing and I usually am sitting in the other room playing video games and I'll pop out and be like, Hey, how are you doing? How is everything? And then like, it's on and I'll sit and I'll just stare for 15 minutes. And I'm like, this show is incredible. And then I'll snap out of it and I'll go back to playing video games because I'm like, I'm not ready for this. I'm not ready for this right now. It's so incredible. One of the things that I also really like about it is just that it's so diverse. Like the cast, like the fact that there's like 10 people wandering in space and maybe one of them is white is just like of course <laughs> like of course this would be happening like why like yeah it's, it's a global spacefaring civilization imagine that <laughs> i know crazy just like somebody named naomi nagata who is you know black and asian and like what of like obviously it's such a yeah and the way that they talk about food like they have like discussions of like the different kinds of cuisines that developed in different parts of space and how they're uh, yeah like how um martians have to really adjust their taste buds to like belter food and it's it's so incredible but anyway all right it's going to the top of the list you convinced me yay all right alan what have you been getting into 
So getting into is kind of difficult to say because I've been a fan of the show for a very, very long time. Uh, it's a podcast called Freefall Radio. Uh, and most of us will know it as a podcast, but actually those of you in the San Francisco area will know it as a radio show. It, it's on, um, was on KUSF. I think it's KXSF. That's a low power station That's right. uh, hosted by David Basson. Um, I don't think, I think he does it on Tuesdays live, but I listened to it through SoundCloud, MixCloud, um, and I stumbled on it ages ago and I'm a big music person. I love listening to new and experimental music, world music, jazz, future jazz, uh, Afrobeat, stuff like that. And when I stumbled on this podcast, when it was a podcast, um, I, it blew my mind. And now I'm at the point where I listen to every single episode every week. As soon as it comes out, I get push notifications on my phone. And if you know me, that is wild because I hate push notifications. <laughs> and I will let, I will let free fall notify me the instant an episode has been posted. So that's my recommendation. If you're into music at all, you will definitely hear something new in every single one of his episodes. Uh, and that to me is wild because, I mean, I'm a DJ, I have a lot of music, I have a huge music collection, and putting something in my ears that's brand new is a difficult task, I'd like to say. So, uh, and he does it fantastically every week. So does it lean in any particular direction? Like, is it is it along the lines of like Afrobeat and jazz and that kind of stuff? Yeah, a little bit more kind of future jazz, a little upbeat, I would say. Um, and sometimes he'll just roll out some Coltrane or some, you know, Miles Davis or something that's really, really, you know, kind of not traditional jazz, but, you know, jazz that you've probably heard some of in the past. Uh, but at other times it'll just be, you know, an, a track from a Japanese rapper or uh, <laughs> a Senegalese lyricist who's just starting out and put out their first album. And he's apparently the only person in the world who's ever heard it. So <laughs> it's wild. It's wild. But it's all good. That's the thing. I've never heard a song on uh, Free Fall that I didn't like, at least. And then there, everything, there's, that's the bottom of the barrel. The top of the barrel, there's songs that I immediately go to SoundCloud and save. Or I'll go to YouTube and add to a playlist or something like that. Awesome. The playlist you put together for like the the pump it up playlist, Alan, <laughs> yeah. that was that was truly incredible. I was just <laughs> wandering around. I love that we put like the entire like all of Beyonce's combined disc discography on this album. I was like, yes, that's it. That's all we need. <laughs> someone, this, yeah, that playlist is 142 songs, eight hours of music, and someone dared me to put the entire Beyonce Homecoming album in it. And I was like, how, how dare you dare me to do a thing? <laughs> and so I did it. I just did. And a few people have noticed, but not that many, because you can just hit play and start uh, start listening to it. And then an hour and a half into it, you just realize, wow, there's a lot of Beyonce in this. <laughs> and, and that's You're like, nobody's mentioned it because everyone was so happy. Exactly. So I was talking to Parker, who is another one of the product writers on staff. Um, and he dropped a couple of Wolfpack songs into Slack. And one of them I wanted to vote as the new theme song for the Gadget Lab. It was like, I'm a products guy, money will be spent or whatever. And I was just like, oh my God, nailed it. Nailed it, Parker. But <laughs> I forget the name of the song right now. Maybe we can post that somewhere. But... Yeah, we can put it in the show notes. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, Free Fall Radio, I am going to give it a shot because... Um... 
I'm always, always listening. I think the only way to walk through this world is with your eyes and your ears open. So thank you for that. Um, my recommendation is, um, it's basically, I have just been watching a lot of NHK world programming. Uh, this is like a news and lifestyle station, a television station out of, um, Tokyo. Uh, and it's, it's in Japan, it's just called NHK Tokyo. And then they also have like the world service, which is a, um, uh, an English language service. And it's just a bunch of shows like travel shows, history shows. There's one where a person gets on a train and just travels from one city to another on a train and you spend half an hour with them on the train. Uh, it's pretty amazing. There are a couple of shows that I turn to every single time there's a new one. And the one that I've been getting way into over the last few months is called Dining with the Chef. Um, it's a It's a cooking show. And there's a few different formulas that are applied to the cooking show. There's some shows are like topic A and some shows are topic B and some shows are topic C. And they're all sort of shot on a rotating schedule by different crews and you never know what you're going to get from week to week. But one show is in a studio and it's a, a chef named Chef Saito, who's a total cornball who like shows you how to make something in in Japanese cuisine that has like a very uh, a very heavily technique way of making it right so like you have to cut it a certain way you have to use a certain kind of oil you have to heat it to a certain temperature um, you know you have to move the chopsticks in a certain way and he shows you how to do that and then there's a different type of show that's also dining with the chef where it's chef rika who's a homemaker and you're in her kitchen and you're watching her make traditional home cooking and then there's also like a travel aspect to it but either way like no matter what you get it's a half an hour 25 minutes of just awesome inspirational beautiful things that look absolutely delicious that you want to try to make. So if you're all interested in Japanese cooking and you're all interested in cooking, I highly recommend Dining with the Chef. It is a gateway into the the wonderful world that is NHK World. Um, Alan, I noticed you were like nodding in agreement when I brought this up. So like, yes. what's, what's your NHK thing? Uh, everything. I, when I lived in Washington, <laughs> D.C., uh, NHK World was an over-the-air channel. So when I cut the cable cord, I could just watch it. And we did. It was the channel we left the TV on. So, I mean, there's um, a guy, John Daub, who does kind of a travel show on NHK World. He also has a YouTube channel where he does live streams. He's hilarious. It's NHK World. I mean, I'm a little bit of a neon file. Just, I just have a, a thing for Japanese culture and history. And it's such a beautiful window to like a place that I want to visit at some point that it's amazing. I actually have the NHK world app on my phone so I could, I could stream TV shows whenever I want to. Yeah. It's wild. It's wild. So I'm I have a big NHK world fan. Yep. I have that app too. And to be clear, it is government propaganda because yes, it's, for sure. <laughs> the, it's the a state owned TV show. It is. And it's like, you know, half of the shows are about like tourism and places to right. visit in Japan. So it's it's totally like, you know, come here and spend your money. Yeah. And 100% show you. It, it just is. works on me. <laughs> yeah, it works on me too. Because and because it's that way, it has this sort of like upbeat, relaxing nature to it yeah. where it's just like, look at how beautiful our countryside is. Yep. Look at how amazing our food is. Look at all of these wonderful things that we have waiting for you on this magical island. And so you sort of like run the risk of, you know, exoticizing it, but yeah. it's just, 
it's brilliant programming and it's the thing that relaxes me more than anything else on television right now. Can you drop a quick hint, Mike, on how to hold your chopsticks better? Do you re- like do you remember like one quick tip that you can give to us? I mean me right now. <laughs> <laughs> um you're probably holding them too close to the tip. Ooh, that oh. is a good tip. Mm-hmm. Move your hand one. back away from the plate. Mm. And that that's not something tip. I learned on NHK. That's just something that I've <laughs> learned from life experience, I think, more than anything. Oh, okay. <laughs> a lot of my relatives are Japanese, so they were all amazed that I knew how to use chopsticks when I first met them. That's amazing. Yeah, my dad's family is Chinese, but uh, I use a fork. Uh, you should do so whatever you're comfortable using Mm -hmm. all right well that was a lot of fun so thank you both for joining us alan and adrian absolutely yeah thanks for having us all right and thank you all for listening Uh, if you have feedback you can find us on twitter just check the show notes this show is produced by boone ashworth and our executive producer is mr alex kappelman stay healthy everyone and we'll be back next week Hi, everyone. Michael from Gadget Lab here. I want to tell you about our friends over at The Big Take podcast from Bloomberg News. Each weekday, they bring you one important story from their global newsroom, like how AI will upend your life or why China's targeting the U.S. dollar and maybe how Joe Biden plans to take on Donald Trump. Oh, boy. Check out The Big Take, a daily podcast from Bloomberg, wherever you listen.